one podcast where nothing is off the table. Before the touchdown, before the home run, before the ball goes through the basket, Steve Samra, Pablo Hernandez, Andrew Morgan, Dan Delusia. It's time for a brand new episode of the Before the Score podcast. Let's go. Before the Score. Welcome to Before the Score, episode number 45. I'm Steve Samra. Welcome to the first episode of 2021. We made it through 2020. We made it through our first year as a podcast. It was unconventional. It was weird. It had everything, but we made it. Hopefully, we get back to some more normal normal in-person episodes soon. Shout out Z-Man. But let's get right into it. Let's start with our topic of the day here. We'll stick on football mostly today since it was a huge week. A lot of news coming out. I got to talk about the big story from Sunday, and that is the absolute charade that the Philadelphia Eagles put on on Sunday night football. I know I have a lot of stuff I got to say about this, so I'll go I'll go after one of you guys. One of you guys can start this off. Let me know who wants it. Well, real quick, I just want to address the situation. Obviously, you never want to see anything like that in football. Um, you want every team to compete to try to win, and that wasn't the case. But this is more on Doug Peterson and possibly the front office. We don't really know about that but from what we've heard from you know Miles Sanders and other players speaking out against it it wasn't the player's decision one bit Jalen Hurts was on the sideline pissed off rightfully so I mean this is his chance to try to lead a comeback and and his future's at stake you know if he leads a great comeback and they win they go out winning in their their final game of the season then there's some hope for Jalen Hurts but now if Doug Peterson is Jalen Hurts' coach next year that relationship is already bruised and it can only get worse because you saw what happened with Carson Wentz. We don't know this relationship with Doug uh, Peterson and his players at the moment. So in that instance, this is, uh, I honestly think all in Doug Peterson, I think he should have been fired already because it's just, how can a team get behind him right now? That's what I'm more focused on on this part of the story with the Philadelphia Eagles. This wasn't about the players. This was just completely on Doug Peterson and possibly who knows the front office. Yeah, when there's situations like this, it's never the players. The players are never going to tank. They're never going to care about a draft pick because the NFL, your career is so short and every single game matters so much for every individual player. And a lot of those guys on the Eagles might not be on the team next year. And so it's even in a meaningless game for them, it's still kind of like showcasing in the rest of the league what they can do and and what their skill set is. And what surprises me is that uh, how safe Doug Peterson's job is because even before this debacle he was kind of on the hot seat because philadelphia is a tough town and even though he won a super bowl the philadelphia eagles have been a mess ever since they won the super bowl and you see what other teams you saw with the jets with greg williams um whether or not it was tanking someone has to be the fall guy when something like that happens when it's such an egregious error on the side of the coaches when it's obvious that they're not trying to win the game usually that results in someone's job 
So usually coaches don't try to tank as much as front offices do. So I'm pretty confident that Howie Roseman or whoever in the front office told him before the game that, hey, go and try and win this game. But late in the game, if you're in a position to win or, or make a comeback, don't let it happen. So they're in position to make a comeback because Washington was horrible in that game, even though they won. So they're saying, okay, put Nate Suffolk in, eliminate all chances of them coming back and winning this game. So even if it wasn't Doug's decision to do that, maybe if he was told to do that, he's still usually in that situation, you get the ax, you're the fall guy. You have to kind of fall on the sword for your team. They're saying, if you want to keep your job, you got to make sure you don't win this game. But then when there's such immediate backlash, that results in a lot of people's jobs. So I'm surprised how stable his job seems to be and how there's not more questions about his job security. You know, everyone right now is giving all the heat to the Philadelphia Eagles, and rightfully so. The Philadelphia Eagles, we all saw what they did on Sunday. It was despicable. It was downright wrong. But when you look at what happened on Sunday, you just have to look at the New York Giants. Number one, the New York Giants, you are never, you never want to be in a position where you need another team to lose in order for you, um, you know, to make the postseason. So regardless of what the, the Eagles did, I understand that it, it's making all Giants fans roll over and all of this and that, this and that. But at, bottom line is they don't care about what's going on, okay? They don't care because their season's already over. So the fact is they really realistically can do whatever they want. Now, if this were something where the Giants had, um, you know, sort of no input in this game, if, if the outcome of that game didn't really matter, then I could see this problem not even being a big deal. But since it cost the Giants their season, that's why it's such a big deal. Number number two, Jalen Hurts. We saw what this guy did, especially in the beginning of the, beginning of the game. He's fast. He's explosive. Um, he looks like somebody who could be a threat in this league for many years to come if he develops a little bit more and he gets a nice core group of players, you know, maybe a, a better head coach. This guy is going to be a star in the National Football League. Um, what are your thoughts, Steve? Pablo, I think you're completely wrong because, of course, yes, this impacted the Giants. Yes, we all know that. Throw away the records, though. Of course, the Giants were 6-10. and 10. They should have won more games. We know that. They know that. They're not pointing fingers. They've all said that they should have won more games and not left their hands, of not left the fate in the Eagles. It's about the disrespect the Eagles showed to the league, to the game, to uh, just the entire – the way the game is supposed to be played – and the way the Eagles handled themselves on Sunday was an absolute farce, and it was just a complete joke in all levels. It was a live tank job, and that's the one thing that in the NFL you're not supposed to do. And the players, they'll never tank. But the coaches, when a coach like Doug Peterson does something like that, you Dan and Andrew touched on it already, there's no way that he will be able to step into that locker room next year and say, I will do everything it takes to make sure we win games this year. There's no way he'll be able to rally a team like that because it's just not going to happen. What he did to Jalen Hurts, who was a gamer, who's been through all this Carson Wentz drama the entire year. He's probably in a situation that he didn't even want to be in. But the guy, he had a chance to lead a game-winning drive, had a chance to beat a number one team in their division on Sunday Night Football in front of the entire football world, and it was stolen from him through no fault of his own. It was ridiculous. You go back to 2004 when Eli Manning was a rookie. Eli Manning, Giants in a meaningless season, absolutely meaningless, lost season. They were, I believe, 5 and 10 at the time. Week 17 leads a game-winning drive against the Dallas Cowboys. Last, last game of the season, meaningless. And that's when the Giants knew they had their quarterback. 
the Eagles, there is impossible, impossible for them to walk out of week 17 knowing that they have their quarterback in Jalen Hurts because they pulled, they pulled him. They turned week 17 of the National Football League, of a league that fought through an entire pandemic, 255 of 256 games testing every day, and they turned it into high school senior night. That's what they did. They put in a guy who should never even be playing quarterback in anything but a preseason game. It was a joke and it never should have happened. And hopefully we will never see a coach make a mockery of the NFL again like that. How can the league sit back and just watch this all happen? They flex this game to Sunday night football because there are division implications at stake and there's a ton of viewers watching it. I'm sure a bunch of giants fans were watching it. So you have another fan base watching this game. It's a huge game, national nationally relevant game that the Philadelphia Eagles just completely threw away. I feel like NFL should be looking at this game, investigating it. And well, I mean, I mean, I guess teams have the right to do that. However, but from an NFL standpoint, they have to say, hey, Philadelphia Eagles, you can't do this. And they have, there has to be repercussions because of this. I know there's no law, there's no rule that goes against intentionally losing a game. But my God, if you're Roger Goodell, that is a big stain on the NFL that you just seen in the final game of the season. It's disgusting. Yep, they turned the flexed Sunday night football game that's been responsible for so many great moments. Last year, we had Drake Greenlaw tackle Tyler Lockett at the one-yard line. We've had the Giants defeat the Cowboys on Sunday night football to start their run. We've had so many great moments and playoff victories in this last game of the year, and they turned it into high school senior night. And the Giants winning, the amount of wins they had in this game, they're not mutually exclusive. The Giants could have had 10 wins, and the, the this could have happened. But – because that's all anybody wants to focus on. They are missing the point is going right over their heads. It is ridiculous to even focus on that because the giants know that they should have won more than six games. Obviously everybody knows that, but that doesn't make what the Eagles did. Okay. And not related in that way. Let's move on to another thing that happened this week. Andrew, I know you'll be happy because Adam Gase is gone. He's gone. The jets are free of Adam Gase. (laughs) So tell me, who do you want as the new head coach of the New York Jets? It's It sucks that he was so awful that everyone knew he was going to get fired. It's the same thing with Todd Bowles' last year. The whole second half of the season, everyone knew that he was gone. It was just a matter of when they would do it, if they would do it in season or wait till the end. And they didn't even let him touch down in New Jersey for more than a half hour before he got fired. So some people that I would like to see be the next head coach of the New York Jets, first, uh, Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. I was a fan of his two years ago. I think he's on a really tight ship and Iowa State really turned that program around. He did really well at Toledo, I think as well. Um, so he's proven he could build a program. He, you watch any video about him or any of his players speak of him and he's a phenomenal leader. So I think he'd be my number one option. I just don't think he'd want the job. Um, second, a person who did interview for the job already, Eric Bieniemy. He should have got the job over Gase in 2019. Um, and I think he just, he's, it's due for him to get an NFL head coaching job. It's been overdue. Um, he's one of the better coordinators, better leaders in the NFL, and he deserves to have a shot. I think he'd be a great fit, the Jets. Um, uh, another guy that I wouldn't mind. Uh, I mean, there's so many out there. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they go like a defensive guy like Wink Martindale. I know it would be the sexiest name, not the greatest candidate, but uh, honestly, there's not many CEO type 
people who have interviewed for this job, it's mostly been every coordinator from every team in the NFL that have interviewed for the Jets job already. Um, so if it's not one of those top two, honestly, uh, just give me an actual head coach like the Giants got with Joe Judge. Yeah, Campbell fits the bill very well. I mean, you know, you look at Iowa State, and that's a program where it's tough to get recruits to go to Iowa to play football. It's, it's a tough job to do. And when you're nationally ranked, you're sixth in the nation going into that big uh, 12 championship game with the possible playoff implications on the line. I mean, you see how fired up he was in that game against Oklahoma. You see, you know, how much he loves his players and how the players respect him. You know, it's one thing to, you know, be successful in college and another thing to go to the NFL, which is the point where I think he's a great candidate. I don't know if he would leave Iowa State. He's built a great program there. I think the enemy is the guy because when you look at the history of the New York Jets, you get all these defensive guys and then you get Adam Gase, the offensive guru, who just made it even worse. I mean, you look at the years he had with Miami and his offensive ranks, it was never a good fit. Everyone knew it. Um, the, the, his first press conference, you knew when he was given the crazy eyes that he wasn't going to be a good candidate for this job. But if you get the enemy, who's an actual proven offensive guy, won a Super Bowl, um, has been a big part of the Patrick Mahomes uh, showcase on the NFL, just as big as Andy Reid, I, I feel, in, in that Im- stretch of the imagination. He's a guy that could really turn this offense around that because, you know, you, you see the, uh, the New York Jets just draft all these defensive players and the defense has not been the problem. I mean, they have a great run defense. Um, the, you know, they need some help in the secondary, but, you know, you, a few free agents can definitely help that. It's the offense that the, schematically it's just been terrible all season. You know, if you get a fresh face with Justin Fields in there to work with the enemy, that could be a great fit and get that offense rolling for years to come. I really do like Eric Bieniemy, but I just don't know if he'll be taking this Jets job when there are other jobs there where he can get a proven quarterback like Deshaun Watson, even though the Texans haven't requested to interview him, which I think is shocking. But I think eventually they will. I don't know if he'll get the job there. I don't know if he'll take it. But I do think that if he gets interviewed by the Chargers as well, maybe. But I'm really hoping Jason Garrett goes there. So maybe the Jets luck out with Eric Bieniemy and that he just doesn't get these other jobs and they get him. And Matt Campbell, actually, he kind of reminds me of when Greg Schiano jumped to the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he's at a relatively small school in a conference full of big fishes where he's competing. He's bringing in recruits for five, four these high star recruits that come in to a place like Iowa, to a place like Rutgers. And you, th- you think that he's going to get the job done in the NFL the same way. It's not always guaranteed, but I do like Matt Campbell's chances in the NFL. I just don't know if he's ready to leave Iowa state yet, but the jets, I, I just, I think that it might be a higher, like Arthur Smith might be the guy from Tennessee, from the Tennessee Titans. Who's getting a lot of love the last couple of years. Everybody knows that they're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry going into the game, but he still finds a way to get him 2k yards. So it happens. Arthur Smith. I think that would be, my betting favor right now, but there are so many candidates and there's not as many jobs open as I thought there was going to be. I did think there was going to be more jobs open like the bears job. So I'm a little surprised about that, but we'll see what happens with that. That's my pick right now. I think Arthur Smith is the guy. It's not the guy I would want or hire right now, but I think that's the guy. Andrew, uh, this may be figured out by next week. So let's get a, let's get a prediction real quick. Prediction. (sighs) My heart says Matt Campbell. I just don't see it happening. Prediction. I like Brian Dable. I like uh, uh, drawing a blank. 
uh, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I like Arthur Smith. I don't know how much of a leader he is. I don't know much about him as a person. I love his offensive scheme. I think he's a perfect offensive coordinator. Um, I just want someone who's more of a head coach. I don't mind if he's offensive or defensive specialized, but he has to have those leadership qualities. He has to be a leader of men. Shout out Mac. Um, I'm not going to like this as much as other candidates, but my prediction, Wink Martindale. See, the Giants interviewed Wink Martindale last year, and that was the guy I did not want. But I think after this year, doing a little more with a defense that had a little less talent on it, I think that people have kind of warmed up to him a little more, and the players seem to love him. So, I don't know. It worked out pretty well for them the last time they hired a Ravens defensive coordinator. Maybe you guys pull a rabbit out of your ass and uh, find your Joe Judge, the guy that nobody ever expected to get the job. So, I didn't expect to like Joe Judge as much as I do. Yeah, Eberflus too. And then uh, Patrick Graham, you guys are quest to interview him. And what happens with that? He returns to the New York Giants with a contract extension. Okay Dave Gettleman already uh, making big moves. Let's not get into Dave Gettleman today. I don't need to talk about that today. After his that press new, His new commitment. Yeah, he's back. But uh, I, he's I, scouting I, some Panthers players for you. He's doing a good job. Curtis Samuel, oh. baby. <laughs> We're not getting Curtis Samuel. Where do you hear that from? Anthertize. <laughs> no. Curtis Samuel, you see, if they sign a two wide receivers, I think it's Curtis Samuel. He cannot be the only one they sign. <laughs> he cannot come in as number one receiver. It won't happen. Let's talk about that Heisman yesterday because Devonta Smith won the Heisman. I predicted it last week. I'm going to toot my own horn. I know you guys would have switched up. It was tough to predict it last week at the time, but Devonta Smith is your Heisman Trophy winner. Where do you guys foresee Devonta Smith going in the draft out of all these wide receivers, first, second, or third? I think it's a lot that it's either be- first or second. It's between him yeah. and Jamar Chase. So, honestly, I think Chase is a better prospect. He just didn't play as much as Devonta Smith is. So, that's a little bit of a recency bias and obviously one of a handful of rec- receivers to ever win the Heisman. So, I think – there's a good chance that Devonta Smith to go first, but if I have to choose, I'm still going to say Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, there is recency bias, but I'm going to go with the recency bias. I mean, you watch that season that Devonta Smith just had, you know, the game-winning national championship catch by him. He's got a great track record, and uh, any team's going to be lucky to have him or Jamar Chase. I think these are going to be two very successful receivers in the NFL. In terms of draft-wise, I mean, they're going to be top 10 picks, right? I mean, Devonta Smith is going to be – on everyone's board that needs a wide receiver. So I, I would go, I would lean Smith over uh, Jamar chase just because, you know, he's a Heisman winner this season. He had one of the best statistical seasons by a receiver we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. I think a good spot for Smith. If they don't trade back, you look at that Miami dolphins pick at number three, you remember Tua Tagovailoa, his first ever game action in college football throws a game winning touchdown to Devonte Smith. I think that Miami Dolphins fans would love to see that connection for years to come. But personally, I do hope that one of those three wide receivers fall to the New York Giants at number 11 because those those can be game breakers. Those are playmakers. That's what Dave Gittleman said today. I need playmakers. Those are three big-time playmakers right there. Devontae Smith, Alabama, Justin Fields, Andrews Boy, maybe the next Jets quarterback, Ohio State. They're playing Monday. I think they're playing Monday. There's talk about moving it back, but I can't see it getting moved back. That would be a logistical nightmare. So let's predict that game. We have Alabama, Ohio State. Andrew, you were the only one to predict Ohio State beating Clemson, so start us off here. 
So I picked, I was very hesitant picking Ohio State. I wanted to pick Ohio State just because I was rooting for Justin Fields in that game. And so that was the perfect game for me as a Jets fan. Liking Justin Fields as a prospect, I really wanted him to ball out in that game. That's exactly what he did. Uh, but I don't think I could pick him against Alabama. I think that Alabama is head and shoulders better than Clemson was, and they're a much tougher matchup. I don't think Ohio State's defense could even think about stopping Alabama's offense. So I think I think it'll be close. I think both quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Justin Fields, play really well in this game. I think it's very high scoring, but I do think Alabama wins. Yeah, I got to say, I really overestimated Clemson's defense coming into this game. You know, maybe it was the targeting call and their uh, their best linebacker that wasn't a targeting call. Kind of just hate to see him go out in back-to-back years like that. But, I mean, Ohio State played a great game, and for them to win the uh, the championship would be great for the Big Ten. You know, you look at when Rutgers played them, same almost same exact scores when Clemson played them. So, I don't know what we're – you know, maybe there's a correlation there and not. But uh, this Ohio – this uh, sorry, this uh, – Alabama offense you cannot stop you, you cannot stop them you stop Trevor Lawrence and that Clemson offense a, a good deal Ohio State defense actually played pretty damn well in that in that uh semifinal game but Alabama Mac Jones Devonta Smith you're not stopping them there's no chance you could stop them it's can you outscore them and Justin Fields had his best game I've seen him play pretty much his entire college career outplayed the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence who well presumed number one pick in Trevor Lawrence so that was a great game for yes Jet fans and and Andrew there, but I don't see, I, yeah, it's going to be a high scoring game. I bet Justin Fields has a pretty damn good game, but it's not going to be like last game against Clemson. I think Alabama wins here by, I'm going to guess 10 to 13 points. What's your pick Pablo? Well, I mean, if you go back to my last week's pick, I had um, Ohio state losing. And I said that I do not believe in Ohio state. I said that they are a very overrated team Um, every year. We, um, we, we gas them up and they never really do anything aside from, you know, losing um, in the big game. And I do not think they have what it takes to beat Alabama. Alabama is a powerhouse. Alabama, uh, we've seen throughout these last couple of years, they have um, put together some amazing teams. And I think that Alabama is going to win. That's my pick. Yeah, I'm not going to let the Pablo curse scare me away from this one. I do agree. Roll Tide. Roll tide. Alabama is too damn good. This may be the best Alabama team we have ever seen, and that is saying a lot. Mac Jones almost was the first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman ever. He might be the second straight Alabama quarterback to go in the NFL draft first round, which would be crazy. I thought I would ever see an Alabama quarterback on the first round, much less two in a row. But Justin Fields did look awesome last week against Clemson, and I did underestimate them because they only played six games. The sample size was so small, but it may have worked in their advantage. But Justin Fields and Ryan Day had the advantage of sitting back, salivating over a possible another matchup against Clemson because they were waiting and waiting and waiting a year to get that matchup and put a lot of juice, put a lot of energy into a team that they really thought they should have beat last year, that Dabo Sweeney ranked 11th in his coach's poll. But Nick Saban's not going to give you any bulletin board material. His daughter might, but he's not (laughs) going to. So I do think Alabama is going to win this game. I think Mac Jones and the offense is just too much for Justin Fields' Ohio State offense to keep up with and for that defense to keep up with. That It's just 
it's taken apart people this year. It actually reminds me of Joe Burrow and LSU's offense last year. Team's not as good overall, but this Alabama team is just built different. And who, who better is built for this COVID season than Nick Saban? Like I know he caught the he even caught the disease. Twice twice <laughs> crazy and he's losing his offensive coordinator i think steve sarkeesian goes out with a bang here with a national championship victory over ohio state if ohio state the, the key for them to win is through trey sermon i mean he's been running the ball the last two games against northwestern and clemson this man has looks like he gets 10 yards of play it's unbelievable the offensive line how they're giving him holes and squirming sermon they call him there uh former Actually, boomer sooner i want to do the unthinkable i want to change my pick Oh, okay. maybe two That's reasons. Awesome. Okay. One, the Pablo curse. Um, I really <laughs> wish you just picked before me. That would have made my job a lot easier. So one, the Pablo curse. So I'm going to pick Ohio state and I'm going to pick Ohio state because they have the best quarterback in the country. He's going to prove that he's quarterback one. He's going to once again, show up in a big game, that offense, they're going to win a blowout. They're going to win 50 to 48. Yeah, I wonder how you would feel if the Jets still had the number one pick. <laughs> I wonder if this would be a different selection. By well, you. I don't know. Who would who would know? <laughs> That's hypotheticals. Let, let me ask you this, Andrew. Right, oh obviously you wanted the number one overall pick, and you know the, the Jets were doing Jets things, and they did end up winning. Um, you know their last few weeks. How do you feel about um, Trevor Lawrence potentially not even being the number one draft pick this year? I mean, it, it's is it is it out of the is it out of the question? No, the is only that- way is the the tiny 5% bizarro world chance where uh, Urban Meyer goes to Jacksonville and says, fuck it, I want the guy that I recruited to Ohio State from Georgia. I don't no. think there's any shot in the world that that happens because he's cause Trevor Lawrence is such a, a blue chip prospect. But I do think this is one of the best years ever to have the number two pick in the draft. Pablo, the only way that Trevor Lawrence does not go number one is if he dies before <laughs> before April. That's this is this is the surest thing in the history of football. Look, 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 look. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, it's been a weird year, but statistically, especially this season, how can you look at this guy and say this guy's going to be? Uh, the next big thing. This guy's going to be all the finalists. I mean, yeah, what do you mean by that? All he did was catch COVID. He would have been the Heisman Trophy winner. But he didn't catch COVID. Yeah. That, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I mean, he's in the Justin Fields statistically. I don't know, man. I really don't know. He, he looks he, he looks like he doesn't even know what he's doing, bro. Well, just because he didn't have a great game against Ohio State. No, listen, listen. You go back to the last couple blue chip prospects you have here. You have Andrew Luck. And what happened the year Andrew Luck went number one overall? He lost his final game of college to Brandon Whedon. Meanwhile, RG3 won the Heisman and had one of the best years for a college football quarterback of all time. Andrew Luck still went number one overall. Then you have the most recent one, which actually I think is more similar. You have Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Jameis Winston's last ever college game, college football playoff semifinals. Rose Bowl. I know this wasn't the Rose Bowl, but Rose Bowl was this weekend. And he was horrible against Marcus Mariota in Oregon. He was throwing backwards passes, fumbles. They got absolutely ran out the building against Oregon. Marcus Mariota still went number two overall. Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. You can bookend that. I, I will put everything on that because yeah, it's happening. He's easily the best prospect since Peyton Manning. No question. Trevor Lawrence. Throw all your money on Trevor Lawrence going number one, Pablo. You know, get rid what? of the curse. Get rid of the curse. Trevor Lawrence would have went number one this I think year. Trevor has a point here. You know, let's let's hear him out. Okay, number one, I, I think I think Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be a very good um, NFL quarterback. I think he has the potential, but to me, um, 
I, I I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure, Fair. man. And honestly, as the as the Jets, I think especially you, Andrew, you're very lucky because um, the the fate is in the hands of the Jaguars. All right, they could they could you know very well just say you know what we don't think he's going to be our guy. You know we think this other guy is going to be better for our team, and they can go and choose whoever they want, and whoever they don't choose is going to end up going to the Jets. So I'll tell you what. It's going to work out in the Jets' favor. And one last thing here, Trevor Lawrence, I don't think his talent is going to translate well in the National Football League. Um, what, what gives you that idea? <laughs> the what, Jets are pretty much on the clock. Because, right? because number Pablo, one. Pablo, Trevor Lawrence is 6'5", rocket arm. Actually, I think he's bigger than 6'5". Can run. He throws it on a line. Justin Fields is not that. <laughs> is Justin Fields is very good. I like him as a prospect. If Trevor Lawrence wasn't in the draft, probably go number one, but he might not go number one. You don't know. Penny uh, Sewell you're only as is good still as the draft, team that but... surrounds you. Now, he, he might be buried with, with, with the uh, – with the um, – Jaguars? With the Jaguars for years. He, he, you know, he might just be um, – well, Joe, Joe Burrow into... might be buried. He might be too. He might be too. Trevor Lawrence uh, would have got number one in this draft. He would have number one in last many, year's draft two years ago. How many ago. quarterbacks that are that are chosen number one overall or even top five overall even become that big of a thing in the NFL? It's a good question. I mean, good point. Good point. Valid oh, that's a very fair point, actually. That is a very fair point. That's, okay, that's well, more well, reasonable than he might not go number one overall. <laughs> Do you want to look at quarterbacks chosen number two overall as well? Because we can look at that too. Yeah. It's not much better. Bottom bottom line is, bottom line is. I could probably account uh, maybe on, on one hand, maybe two, the, the most elite quarterbacks or, um, elite quarterbacks in the league. There's not many. There's not many out there. I'd say a majority of the quarterbacks are just average or below average. Average so, quarterbacks in the NFL is a good thing, too. You can win yeah. with an average quarterback. So the thing that I'm trying to say is <laughs> it's not about him being um, you know, dominant or him being okay. It's about him being worthy of that number one overall pick. And could he be? Yeah, he could be. Could he be a bust? Yes, he could. For the New York Jets, I think they are in the perfect um, position here. As a Jets fan, I would be very excited. They won when nobody uh, wanted them I'll to tell win. you what, they I think won. Jets fans would rather have that number one pick. Why, why have I'm the number one right pick now. when you can have the number one quarterback with the second pick? I mean, there we go. he's got a exactly. point. Exactly. I, th- I think Andrew's hoping that the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting convinced by Pablo. Am somebody's listening, listening, somebody's to listening to this podcast going, you know, he's <laughs> right. right. That, that, that Pablo Hernandez has a point. Pablo, I mean, if, you, if that's the way you think, why not just stick with Gardner Minshew? Why not just draft a random not, ass bl- Joe Blow in, week, in, in round seven? <laughs> all right, all right. Do you know what? I think, I think Trevor Lawrence – He's going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and he's going to show up in AEW and he's going to, he's going to cut promos and he's going to be AEW's version of Matt Riddle, bro, because they look like absolute clones of each other. All right. We have gone off the rails here. That's all I'm going to say here. This dude's going to be walking around on Wednesday nights and flip flops, you know, dancing and and doing this little walk. He is going to be a non-factor in the national football league. You can bet on that. So Trevor Lawrence will catch the pro wrestling bug if he gets drafted to Jacksonville. But yes. Okay. You know, people usually worry about New York as a place for distractions, but we're, we're changing to Jacksonville now. So uh, 
let's let's just move on from, from that. I don't think I have a yeah. rebuttal. Let's go to the <laughs> let's go to the other side. We'll go to the playoffs. The NFL playoffs start this weekend. Super wild card weekend. First game we have here on the board. We have the Indianapolis Colts going to Buffalo to face the Buffalo Bills. Our first home playoff game in over twenty years. Pablo, you were not born yet. None of us were. Bills are six and a half point favorites. Who's moving on in this game? Pablo. Okay, here. Uh, I'm sorry. I just got a very important text message. Uh, can, can you actually ask that question one more time? All right. <laughs> <laughs> the text message is, what the hell? Why are you revealing our draft strategy from Tony Khan? Uh, Colts, Bills. Bills, six and a half point favorites. Who you got? This is easy. This is going to be the easiest pick here. The Bills, Bills Mafia, um, in my opinion, they are going to be the team uh, to come out of the AFC. This is a team that's built to win. This is a team um, that has a very core group of dominant, young, upcoming um, monsters, all-stars, and they won't be stopped. Maybe the only team that could stop them could be the chiefs and that's going to be a very exciting uh championship game to head to the super bowl but i think the bills this is their year to win and it's not going to be like how it was in the 90s they're not going to go they're not going to lose but i do see this team sticking around for a few years and they're going to be very good not only for this year but years to come when you look at the bills you know you see a six and a half point spread and you know their offense is flying um, every cylinder the last few weeks, and they look like an unstoppable force. But I think this Colts defense is actually going to give them some problems and bring Josh Allen back to earth in a playoff start. Uh, I'm going to take that Colts spread. I think the Bills are going to win a very close one here. Um, I don't think this is going to be a very convincing win for them. I know the Bills Mafia is going to be back in the house. I think they got 6,500 fans coming in, so that should that should help them out a little bit. But this is not going to be an e- this is not going to be an easy game for them. Um, people writing off the Colts here sh- don't write off the Colts. I know the Colts have had their ups and downs this season. And I've talked about them, but they have a very good defense, and and it's going to give Josh Allen a bit of a problem. Yeah, this this matchup sucks for me because the whole year I was picking against the Colts and I was picking against the Bills. I lost a lot of picks that way because uh, both had phenomenal seasons. Uh, I hate picking Philip Rivers and I hate picking the Bills in any capacity. But I will pick the Bills to win this game. I do agree with Dan. I think that this Colts defense matches up um, as one of the best defenses in football to kind of slow down this offense. Because if the offense looked like it did the past five or so weeks, like this team can compete with the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think if the Colts can kind of punch Josh Allen in the mouth a little bit and kind of get him off his script and get him a little bit uh, flustered in his first playoff, second playoff game, um, I do think the Bills will win this game. I do think it will be closer, though, so I will take the Colts spread. This is a tale of two different teams for me because one team, I think, is one of the biggest pretenders in the entire playoffs, and one team I has shocked me. I did originally think they were a pretender, and it turns out they are a contender. So I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills here because if you look at the Indianapolis Colts schedule, I can't think of one game where they impressed me except for maybe the time they cost Pablo $500. (laughs) But I will say say, the Colts. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Ever since that day, not only have I grown anger and hatred towards the Indianapolis Colts, but I've also just grown to despise the Green Bay Packers. I just don't understand how you go in. Number one, they were up by two touchdowns. 
there was, I think, I believe it was the second quarter, the third quarter. <laughs> they were absolutely terrible. I think they had the ball for a combined minute and a half, two minutes. They were dreadful. And then they come back and then they lose on such a stupid play. That is the moment where I knew I could not bet on uh, the NFL anymore. It's just too many stupid things happen. There's it's too rigged. many flags. There's too many um, overturned rules. I hate everything about betting football. I'll tell you what, the Bills' two most impressive wins were that in the Titans game, but the Titans, they've proven that they can be consistent. I mean, all these these scores just don't impress me. You look at the Jaguars game, they knocked me out of the survivor pool. I can't stand the Colts for doing that. The one game of this entire year, the Jacksonville Jaguars win, and they knocked me out of my own survivor pool week one. Unreal. But the Colts, I just can't see them going into Buffalo and beating the Bills team. I think this team has too much juice. They've proven that they can beat anybody. The only game they really didn't look good this entire season was against the Kansas City Chiefs, which I do think could change if they see each other in the playoffs again. But I will pick the Bills as the winner of the first game on Super Wild Card Weekend, and I do think they will cover as well. Next game here, we have the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks at home and three-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you got in this one? Well, isn't Jared Goff's ruled out, right? I don't think he's ruled out, but I don't think he's expected to play. And I think I would pick the Rams if Jared Goff is playing this game. Uh, the Seahawks' offense to pass eight or so weeks, whenever they started, whenever they played the Giants, it looked like they broke their offense. And their offense the first, like, six weeks of the season was unstoppable. DK Metcalf was the best receiver in football at the beginning of the year. And he doesn't look the same. Tyler Lockett doesn't look the same. Russell Wilson doesn't look the same. Their running game has been inconsistent. Um, their defense has played better because ever since that first six or so weeks when they were getting torched and they were the worst defense in football, they have stepped up a lot. So that's the main reason why I think the Seahawks are going to win this game because if John Wolford has to start this game for the Rams, I don't care how, how good the Rams defense is, Russell Wilson isn't losing to John Wolford. Oh, yeah. There's no chance Russell Wilson is losing to the backup. And, you know, I would like to see if Jared Goff was playing, I would pick the Rams because this Seahawks offense has been terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. There's no reason to pick them. I see why the spread's only three and a half. And I think, I, I really think Jared Goff is actually ruled out, but I'm not 100% sure on that right now. Uh, but the Seahawks, these games with these division, you know, opponents have been close all year. They've been low scoring, terrible, disgusting games. This is going to be with Wolford or whatever the hell his name is or without him. This game is going to be ugly. It's going to be close. It's going to be a terrible game. Probably going to be the worst game of the, of the playoffs here. Give me Russell Wilson because it's just Russell Wilson. But even Russell Wilson hasn't been Russell Wilson this whole season. Uh, sorry, these last, you know, half a season. Give me the Seahawks very close in a terrible game. Um, I'll tell you what. I gave up on the Seahawks the moment they lost um, to the New York Giants here. Um, look, the Seahawks. <laughs> you picked them to lose. Exactly. I picked them <laughs> to lose. But um, to me, the Rams don't really impress me that, that much either. Um, I understand the Rams are the underdog here. I understand, um, you know, the Seahawks have a very big, um, I, I can't track record in these types of games. Russell Wilson, he has some, some type of switch that he turns on in the big moment, uh, minus that one Super Bowl game, but let's not talk about that. Um, I think that the Rams are going to knock out um, the Seattle Seahawks, and I think it's going to start the decline of not only Russell Wilson, but the Seattle Seahawks. And um, I think a new regime, um, a, 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 a new team is, is going gonna, is gonna to come out of this. And um, I'm not sure who's going to be the next Seattle Seahawks. But um, in terms of that sort of West Coast dominance, 
uh, we're not going to be seeing that out of Seattle anymore. I'll tell you what, I don't care who plays quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams because they're going to win this game. John Walford, the man was on LinkedIn looking for finance jobs a couple weeks ago. You know, I hope my story ends like that on LinkedIn. There's <laughs> a hell of a story to have on there. But John Walford, I don't care what happens with this guy. I saw him play on against the Cardinals on Sunday, and this guy showed heart. He was smart. And his quarterback rating was actually the same as what Jared Goff's average quarterback rating is. So they actually didn't lose much by playing John Walford over Jared Goff. Insane to me. John McVay, quarterback whisperer. I think he gets just enough out of John Walford if he does start and definitely enough out of Jared Goff if he does start. So give me the Rams to pull off the upset of Super Wild Card Saturday on Saturday. And next we have a game that kind of hurts to look at because it should be the Giants and the Buccaneers, but it is not. I will move on. We move past this. We go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Shaking my head. Tampa Buccaneers are eight point favorites on the road in Washington. Who knows what it'll look like in Washington, DC by, by Saturday night, but we have to predict the game anyway. So who you got in this one? Well, you look at the, the Washington football team's defense. I get it. They're pretty good defense, but I don't see how you can make any one single argument that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't win this football game and pretty convincingly because the Washington football team is not a good football team. Let's let's this is one this is the worst team in the playoffs by a pretty decent stretch in, in my opinion. Give me the Buccaneers to win big. Uh, I cannot pick the football team to win a game here. This is such a weird game to pick. Um, I don't weird. think this is a lock. Uh, the Washington defense can kind of give Brady and that offense some fits. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers have looked phenomenal sometimes, and they've had some really bad stinkers. They've played some good defenses and have not looked the same. Um, Steve, in your playoff pool, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers, but on this podcast, I'm picking the Washington football team. Uh, I think Alex Smith, one week healthy after his uh, calf injury. I think he's going to look a little bit more like he did when they were winning games. They look good against Pittsburgh. They, this Washington team, they can play up to their competition a little bit. And I feel like every time a weird seven and nine, six and 10, eight and eight team makes the playoff and has a home game. I feel like they win that game a lot. You look you think of Seattle seven and nine beating the saints and such a weird year. I'm going to go with the, the seven and nine underdog at home. All right. Remember when I said that um, the most easiest pick and the most, um, you know, biggest lock of, you know, the whole playoffs is going to be, um, uh, man, I'm having a brain fart here. The, the, uh, the Buffalo plays? Bills game, but oh, no, okay. I, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you what, there is no chance that the Washington football team, the nameless Washington football team is going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you're going to need more than, more than one Chase Young uh, to stop that offense of the Buccaneers. It's going to take a lot. Um, it's going to take it, – it's, it's really going to take a lot. And the Washington football team, they barely made it out of the um, NFC East. You really think they're going to beat a powerhouse uh, team such as the Buccaneers? Now, I understand they have a team that, um, you know, many might look at their roster as being old or being, you know um, – what's the word, uh, a bunch of old timers and it's not their time anymore past their prime, but it doesn't matter. You're going to be looking at playoff Tom Brady. You're going to be looking at guys who have been there, done that Rob Gronkowski. You're going to be looking at Antonio Brown. You're going to be looking at guys that have the pedigree to be there and win in the big moment. There is no chance that this little league team, 
this no-name team is going to beat the Buccaneers. That's all I have to say. Chase Young ran off the field on Sunday night saying, I want Tom Brady. I'm coming, Tom Brady. Well, guess what? The Buccaneers have a six-time Super Bowl champion as their quarterback, and the Washington football team has peg leg as their quarterback. I'm sorry, Alex Smith. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, Alex man. Smith. <laughs> but it cannot be done. It can't be done. You you made it. It's a nice story. You got to retire, my man. I don't want to see you get hurt. <laughs> it's not going to happen for you this year. It's, I don't think this game is going to be close. The Washington football team absolutely stinks. I don't know how this team won seven games. Look at their schedule. Actually, I do know how they won seven games. The whole entire schedule stunk. They beat Carson Wentz's stinky Eagles. They beat the Cowboys with Ben DiNucci. They had a Thanksgiving win. Yeah, whatever. But they every every team they beat was just ugh, unimpressive. Nick Mullins, like just, just gross teams thrown in there. And then you have their Steelers win which should come with an asterisk because they had a whole extra week of preparation than the Steelers, which pisses me off because that never should have happened. It just, I, I, you say the Giants should have won more than six games. You're damn right. They should have, because they are better than this Washington football team, but the Buccaneers are going to win this game. I don't think it'll be close. I really don't think it will be. I think they're going to win big Sunday after Sunday, super wildcard Sunday, I guess you have a rematch of last year's divisional round. You have the Baltimore Ravens going to Tennessee to face the Titans. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites in this one. Who do you got in this one? It's hard to defend the Ravens after how they looked the last couple of times they played the, the Tennessee Titans. I feel like they're so built not to beat this Tennessee Titans team. Um, Derek Henry always runs over the Tennessee tight the over the Baltimore Ravens and Ryan Tannehill has looked phenomenal since taking over. Um, but this Tennessee Titans defense is a lot worse than the Tennessee Titans defense they faced last year. And the Baltimore Ravens, after their whole COVID debacle and playing their practice squad against the Steelers, and that was their low point of the season. I think since that game, the Baltimore Ravens have looked really good and playing really clean football. Lamar Jackson has looked a lot better. So I do think the Ravens win this game. I think that their defense is a lot better than Tennessee's. As long as Baltimore doesn't go down to the early big hole, I think they can win this game. I don't think they can – uh, I think they'll try to stop Derrick Henry from running for 200 yards again. So I think as long as they don't fall in an early hole, I think Baltimore wins this game. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Um, Baltimore, Baltimore, they're a very good team. Uh, they're under a very good quarterback. But there is no way that they're going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, um, he put together one of the greatest seasons we might ever see. Um, this guy, he's an absolute force. This guy, he's going to go down as one of the greatest running backs of all time, at least – um, the, one of the greatest uh, running backs in our time, you know, uh, this guy, he has it. This guy is electric. He has the electricity factor, um, the type of factor that I said that Fernando Tatis has. Um, this is somebody who is going to make his mark in the playoffs, and it's going to start right here against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, look, another year, another early round exit for the Baltimore Ravens. They just got to bring it next time, and uh, it's not going to be this year. Uh, uh, man, I was going into that pick, going Tennessee all the way. <sighs> I mean, I haven't picked, you know, an underdog yet, and uh, I thought this was going to be my first underdog I was going to pick because, you know, Derrick Henry and the offensive line has played so well. But Pablo just gave me all the reasons to think this is going to be a, a Baltimore Ravens win here. Um, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the Ravens. And I'm going to switch to the Rams instead of the Seahawks and take that as an underdog pick. So whoever takes uh, quarterback helm 
of the Rams this uh, week. I will take the Rams. You've lost. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go Ravens because I just cannot be on the same wavelength as Pablo here. Well, now Andrew is the lone Seahawker here. I'm surprised about that. Definitely didn't go into this segment thinking he'd be the only one to pick the Seahawks. But I am going to pick the Baltimore Ravens here because I think we just saw a playoff revenge exacted by the Justin Fields-led Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to see another one this weekend because the Ravens are pissed off. They want revenge on the Titans for spoiling the best season in franchise history last year. I do think Lamar Jackson, he goes in there. They have upgraded at running back. Yes, a young J.K. Dobbins is better than old man Mark Ingram. And Gus Edwards is running out of his damn mind over down there in Baltimore. So I think Lamar Jackson, who's been awesome, absolutely awesome in this last half of the season, I think that he's found his MVP caliber play. And I do think the Baltimore Ravens go in there and they win. They beat the Tennessee Titans. They definitely took them a little too lightly last year. It won't happen again this year. The Baltimore Ravens are going to win and they're going to be the team that nobody wants to play. I know that's cliche. I know it's said about so many teams every year in the playoffs. I would not want to play the Baltimore Ravens if I was anybody in the AFC, especially, especially a team like the, the Steelers, if they do win. Next game here on the slate, on the Nickelodeon game, actually, we have the Chicago Bears. Shockingly, I never would have expected them to make the playoffs, but they did. My boy, Mr. Trubisky, he uh, came out from the dead over the last couple of weeks. Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears traveled to New Orleans to play the Saints. Saints are 10-point favorites. Who's winning this one? The Bears are such a Mickey Mouse team. They beat, what, the Lions, the Jaguars. They lost to the Packers in a game that they thought they had to win, and they ended up not needing it, and they, they lost and still made it at, what, 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, This Bears team is going to get trampled. Their defense isn't as good as it has been in the past. Their offenses looked better with Mitchell Trubisky, but then again, it's Mitchell Trubisky in the playoffs. Uh, he's played some really bad defenses, which really contributed, contributed to him looking a lot better lately. I think the Saints defense is really good. I think the Saints offense is really good. I think they'll roll. I think the Saints can easily win this one and cover whatever spread there is. Uh, the, I, I hate that the Bears are even in. They're so lucky that there was a seventh wild card spot. This team is terrible. The Saints are going to run all over them. No, no one is going to watch this game, not just because it's on Nickelodeon. It's because it's going to be over by the first half. There's no way Mitchell Trubisky is going to compete with – not that Drew Brees is the answer, but there's no way he's going to compete with that offense because Mitchell Trubisky is not a good quarterback. I understand he's you know made the offense better since the departure of Nick Foles from their offense. Mitchell Trubisky, let me remind everyone, is not a good quarterback. He is not worthy of an extension, and he should not be starting on your team. The Bears' defense, like Steve said, or or sorry, uh, Andrew said, is not as what it used to be. It, it is not a good – it's not as not where they were the, uh, three years ago, I think, when they won that division. The Bears are going to get trounced here by the Saints. Big uh, – what's the spread here? I think it's 10. 12, 10. I'll take uh, Saints minus 10. Well, um, the Bears, like you said, they shouldn't be here. Um, in, a, in a real world, they wouldn't even be close to uh, this type of playoff situation. Um, I don't see there being any shot that they take down the, uh, the Saints here. Let me tell you what. Don't do it. <laughs> I love Drew Brees. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, and I would hate to see his he's career gonna, he's gonna end do this it. way. He's going to do but, it. But, but, but. 
he is not the same quarterback in the playoffs. He has not been Sean Payton has not been the same coach in the playoffs. They have these skeletons in their closet of the Minnesota Vikings from the last couple of years. And it just doesn't work out for the saints in the playoffs. It's not going to work out again this year. The Chicago bears are going to shock the world. You know, it, you know, there's always these kind of games in the playoffs where the team, nobody expects to win goes in there. And yeah, what do they do? They win. No, no, no. It's not for the Washington <laughs> football team. Mitchell Trubisky is playing for his damn life in there. Drew Brees broke 12 ribs this year. 12 ribs. Khalil Mack, he knows that. He smells blood in the water. He's going to be getting home. I'm going to pick the Bears here. Shocking upset on, sun- on Sunday afternoon on Nickelodeon. Don't turn it off for SpongeBob. Don't be watching Fairly Odd Parents because – the Mitchell Trubisky is going to shock the Saints. I think that's the worst pick you've ever made. <laughs> Final game we have here think, of think, wild card weekend. I what? think the Washington Buccaneers game is to be closer than the Bears game. Oh, what yeah. Friendly wager on that. I, I don't. I actually I think, don't. I think the Washington football team does better than the Chicago Bears does in their respective matchup. Yeah. Oh, come on. I agree. I agree. Nope. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> Next game here, final game we have, we have the Cleveland Browns traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers, a rematch of last week's game. Browns are six-point underdogs going to Heinz Field. Who's going to win this game here? I'll start it off here. Number one, we all know how I feel about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I like them a little bit more only because Odell Beckham, um, the team president of Odell Beckham-itis, is not playing. Obviously, he's out for the year. Um I was going to say, you, you like him because of Odo Beckham? I thought that I thought you hated Odo Beckham, but not exactly. now. Exactly. No, I, I get where I you like, brought it back around. Because he's, he, he's not playing. Um, the Steelers, I don't know what happened to them. They completely fell apart. Uh, whether it's Big Ben not really playing um, due to injury or whatever, whatever be it. Uh, this team, um, in the beginning of the year, I thought they had a chance to potentially go undefeated, especially when you look at the schedule that they had left. I thought that there was a very good shot that they would go into um, the playoffs with that number one seed. But um, to me, I just don't think um, – I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't see them making it out of this game uh, alive. That's all I got to say. The now end the, of the Big Ben era as we know it. So you're picking the Browns. Yes, absolutely. Surprise. The Browns have done nothing <laughs> to inspire confidence the last few weeks. They lost to the Jets with their – practice squad wide receivers um in a game that they still should have won they did not look good against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mason Rudolph at the helm that's a game they should have asserted their dominance and coasting into the playoffs but they kind of struggled in that game they didn't look that great but I'm still going to pick the Browns in this game um the Steelers I've been saying it even when they were winning a lot of games that they were not built for the playoffs even though their defense was amazing and defense was championships they cannot run the football Big Ben does not look at like the same quarterback that he has his whole career. I think he's really washed up. I think they cannot even attempt to run the football. Um, and that just kind of, that kind of uh, formula just doesn't work in the playoffs. Uh, the receivers have had drops all year. So I don't think they can depend on the receivers to kind of carry the load. I think this Browns team is built more for the playoffs with their run game. I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt really control the game and a low scoring game. I think the Browns pull it out. Yep. Yeah, is it Big Ben is out or is it like? No, he's playing. He is active. Yeah, he's playing. Okay. Well, I saw reports that he, well, he made a comment that Josh Dobbs, uh, Mason Rudolph might get some snaps in there. So I don't know what the hell is going to go on with that. 
the story here is Kevin Stefanski not going to be able to coach. Um, Baker Mayfield has had his best season uh, because of Kevin Stefanski and how great of a play caller he is and made that offense, you know, 10 times better than it was last year with Freddie Kitchens as the, the head coach. Um, this is Baker Mayfield's first playoff game. I think it's going to be a rough game. Not for him. I think it's just going to be, you know, a, a typical Brown Steelers game. I think it's going to be less high scoring than it was. Uh, I think it was 28-24 last week. Going to be a little lower than that here at Heinz Field. I'm going to take the Browns to squeak out a win. I really hope Baker Mayfield is the reason why they win uh, on that final drive. I'm shocked that every single person in this group chat picked the Browns because I thought this was a shoe in for the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers to win, and I will be picking the Pittsburgh Steelers because they always got to be different. Well, they, they I was picking them to begin. I, I'm shocked, absolutely shocked. It's not nearly as crazy them. as a pick as the last one. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Cleveland Browns, they just don't have enough firepower, especially with Kevin Stefanski being out. I don't think people realize how big of a loss that is, that he won't even go to coach at all. This is the guy who saved Baker Mayfield. And I don't even know. I forget the name of the guys we call him plays, but it's just that's a big, big change in playoff week. It sucks that the Browns, they finally make the playoffs and they have this turmoil happen to them with COVID. But that's the way of the world right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been dealt raw hands from COVID the entire season, actually derailed their season for a little bit there. And I do think that Big Ben plays well enough in the playoffs. And I think that the, the Steelers played well enough last week in a game the Browns had to win with backups in. And I think that they can get the job done with their starters back. I think that they actually got more confident by going out there and playing these backups and almost defeating the Browns than they would have if they just played their backups and got blown out. So I do believe that Mike Tom will have his team ready for their first playoff game in two years, and they will be winning this game serious, on Sunday night. Serious question for you, Steve. I, I completely agree. The Steelers are definitely the favorites here, and it should have been a majority pick of the show. I just had to pick the Browns because of obvious reasons. But in, in sense of Big Ben <laughs> – versus Mason Rudolph, who do you have more confidence in, in starting a playoff game right now? I mean, there has to be some serious questions about that because of what Mason Rudolph just did against the Browns in a must-win situation. I think that Big Ben did enough in a must-win situation against the Indianapolis Colts two weeks ago to inspire much more confidence. The way he came okay. back against Phillip Rivers and the Colts, a big lead. I think it was 24 to – it might have been 24-0, honestly. The way that he brought the Steelers back, throwing touchdowns at Deontay Johnson, throwing touchdowns at Juju, going in there, calling his own plays. I think they will give Ben more freedom and take away some of that play calling ability from ability from offense coordinator, Randy Fincher. And I think that big Ben gets the job done. I think the way I was not inspired by any of big Ben's play up until the second half of that Colts game, a playoff caliber defense. And he went down and shredded it on way to a comeback victory. So I, that, that gives me enough confidence to pick them. Yeah. It's a tough offense, man. Um, it could go either way with big Ben because you, you saw the majority of this season. You just don't know with him. Mm-hmm. yeah it it could also be his last game so who knows yeah. this could be the last game time we see philip rivers and ben roethlisberger and drew Brees for an for this weekend this could be it so the, enjoy it this is these are three players who gave us some of the best years of football ever so crazy very, Tom brady outlast them all <laughs> yeah, he's going to and he might be the best of them all still yeah. which is even crazier Let's go on to our questions here now that we got all our picks in to end the show. Our first question here comes from Mikey Farrow, and it has to do with the Eagles tanking because he says, do you think the NFL should do a lottery system like the NBA to prevent teams from tanking? No. 
it's different than any other sport because of the amount of players that get drafted and how volatile it is. Um, most years outside the first pick or two, there's no shoe in for who it should be. Uh, so it's not like the NBA where only like a handful of guys come stars in the league. You can get a star at around 30. The pick in the third round could be better than the number one overall pick. You see it with Russell Wilson. You see it with Tom Brady. Um, Tanking in the NFL really isn't a problem like it is in any other sport. Besides the Eagles game, it's really never blatantly obvious that a team is tanking. Teams like the Jaguars, teams like the the Jets, teams like the 0-16 Browns, they're just really bad teams, and they deserve those top picks. Um, And it's not like a team gets screwed like the Knicks do every year in the lottery where they end up with the eighth pick. It's different. The eighth pick in the NFL draft, you can get a damn good player, and it's not like that with other sports. So I think it's completely different. I don't think we'll ever see a lottery in the NFL. Yeah, a lot of sports you see the best player is not the first overall picked. And most in football, especially, like you just said, it's usually not that way. The NBA, it's usually the case as LeBron James, a Zion Williamson, somebody like that. Same thing in the NHL. That number one pick changes franchises for years to come, and they will tank their ass off for that pick. I don't think that the NFL is a tanking problem. We do see it from time to time, but I just, like Dan said, I just don't know. They should. Teams should be punished for tanking, but I just don't know how you do it. I don't know well, how what what you would have to. I enact. think I think number one, um, I hate the fact of a draft lottery. Um, the NBA, I hate the fact that the you know the Knicks were the worst team and they they couldn't even get a top and number one overall pick. I don't think it's fair at all. I personally think that every team should be forced into uh, going for it. Now, if you should, um, I think I believe you should pick depending on you know how bad your record was, of course. So let's say if you're the Knicks, if you're the worst team, you should get the number one overall pick. But there should be some type of system where if you're the worst team in the league for, let's say, three years straight, or if you're bottom five for three years straight, I believe that you should get fined. I believe that they should do things in order for you to have an incentive to go for it every single year. You know, you would, be- you would really like this thing called soccer in England where they – drop teams down leagues if they tank for a couple of years relegation exactly. yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 better it, it makes things more competitive it makes you want to try even though you're rebuilding you know there is sort of a, a strategy to it and um i hate the nba draft lottery look you can look at a team like the um like golden state right um they were a team that were getting a good draft pick when they were a year or two removed from an nba championship it's not fair these things should not be. Well, they, they weren't tanking. They were legitimately that bad. It's still, man, it's still, but they got a better pick because of the draft lottery. Let's go on to the next question here. It's from Tarek Al Casey. And he says, what in sports are you looking forward to most in 2021? I'm looking forward to March madness. Um, like I said, last show, you know, that's my favorite time of the year, hands down and sports by far. I just, the whole tournament itself is just the most exciting, you know, obviously no crowd is going to make it feel a little different, but the moments are still going to be insane. So March madness was robbed of it last year. You know, I guess they're doing it all in Indianapolis or in Indiana, as long as that works out and they have the right protocols, it should be a fun one to watch. Personally, I'm looking forward to being able to go to a sporting event. That's what I'm most looking forward to because that was one of the things that brought me the most joy all my life. And then 2020, you just couldn't do it anymore. So I really can't wait to finally be able to go to a live sporting event, whether I have to wear a mask or not, whether I have to 
have the vaccine or not, whether whatever whatever it may take. Yeah. I can't wait to be able to go back like and I, where fans are allowed. I feel like I've been at a Mets game like every year of my life until last year. Yeah. I know, I know since I've known you, we made efforts to go to like yeah. every once once a year. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. No, I was gonna say for me, um, the New York opening, Yankees championship open, opening day for uh, for the Yankees. I mean, we still don't know when it's gonna be. We don't know anything about the season. Uh, very slow off season. Obviously, I would love to be on here on this podcast every single week talking about what the Yankees need to do to fix their team, or they bring it back Lemayu, this and that. The thing is, we don't know anything, and I'm gonna keep saying this every single week. Um, I don't think, I don't think that the season is gonna start on time. Um, I think there are going to be certain things uh, that every team is, is going to have to do in order to um, compensate for all their losses last season. So whether that be guys signing um, not right away or, you know, things are going to be different this year. And I just can't wait to have opening day back um, because right now I'm not, I'm not whole, you know? Yeah. Well, like you said, like uh, one thing, the Super Bowl with less fans than ever, it's just going to be weird to see just the biggest game ever the whole year, just with no fans or anything. But like Steve said, I think being able to go to a game next year would be the ultimate prize coming out of this whole pandemic. Even if I have to wear a mask, even if I can't sit six feet close to anybody, it's still worth going to a game in my opinion. Um, if you're comfortable with it. So just be able to get the experience of, of going to a baseball game or something. It's just something that I, I've missed since last year. That would be corny if they had that stupid rule at the game. It, it, I mean, it's something, you know, it's something, but. What stupid rule? <laughs> I understand, I understand it, but it's just annoying, you know. Oh, not everybody has bodies. Yeah, yeah let's let's make sure it's not a super spreader event <laughs> to go i feel to. like if you came with that person and you drove with that person and you were in the same oh vehicle that's not they're not talking about that i understand These random you people shouldn't have to be yeah you're not gonna up your party you know what i'm saying from random people not from the people you go to the game from with. random people okay but you have to clarify <laughs> I'm not gonna have to sit six seats away from you if we go together. <laughs> hey, how's the game going? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be texting you from the, from the other section. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go grab a hot dog. All right, make sure what you say. <laughs> uh, next question here comes from Ant Gambardella, and he wants to know where does Derrick Henry currently rank amongst NFL running backs? I think this is an easy answer for everybody. Is it? You think it's not number one for me? It's number one. I think I, I said think, at one point last year. I think after the playoffs or something that he was my number one running back. Even though he's not the biggest receiving running back, even though he's not the flashiest guy, um, just the way he he runs, how hard he runs, the defense knows that he's running the ball and he still gets these six yards of carry. So he's these monster games, still scores touchdowns. He's just the model of consistency and to win to go two thousand rushing yards. It'd be hard pressed to find someone better. Easy answer. Top two, not two. Yeah, definitely my number one here. Dan, sorry. Uh, he's definitely a top three back. Um, it's still hard to – I know McCaffrey was injured all this season, but just what he does, he's that entire offense. He's so versatile. He can do anything that they ask him to do, maybe not throw the ball, but everything else. Um, I mean, him and McCaffrey, that's a, a real conversation to have. I just think Derrick Henry, he made Brian Tannehill an MVP candidate, and that that's hard to do. So our final question here, not really a question, and it's from somebody in this room. So Pablo, I'm not going to ask you this damn question. Take us home. Goldberg is back. A one-minute rant on Goldberg to close the show. Let's hear it. 
Oh, alrighty. Well, number one, I have four percent on my iPad, so I have to make this quick. Um, Goldberg, we all know why he's back. He's back because uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, they don't know how to build stars. They don't know how to how to bring intrigue to their products. So they keep bringing back these old guys that nobody cares about in order to sort of combat AEW and all the success that AEW is having. Um, they are the worst wrestling company on the face of the planet right now. Uh, I'm not talking financially. I'm talking just, um, you know, creatively. They have just run out of ideas, um, especially Monday Night Raw. It's the worst show ever. Um, this show has just gone down uh, year after year in quality. Nobody cares about any storyline that's going on there. Nobody cares about any of the any any guys on the roster, unless you're Roman Reigns, unless you're um, a Sasha Banks or you're a Bailey. Uh, you aren't relevant in this company to me. I don't care about um, NXT because as soon as they put it on the USA Network, um, I stopped caring about it. Um, right now, to me, there's only one one uh, show in North America, and that is All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling is the best show in North America. They do everything right. I'm not saying they are perfect, but they do everything right. You could even look back at the Brody Lee tribute. Um, I know we did not cover this last week, but they actually gave a real tribute. Um, this is a guy who put so much heart. He put so much emotion into the sport of wrestling, especially for World Wrestling Entertainment, for WWE, and they absolutely did nothing for him. Um, so uh, that's another thing. They really don't care about their talent. They don't care about anything except for the, except for the green. Um, I just don't care about WWE. I will continue to hate on them until uh, the man in charge is no longer around. Uh, this company is just terrible. And one last thing I got to say is if they're just going to keep having these uh, Legends Nights and, you know, bring back all these old guys, what are they going to do in 20 years when all these legends are gone? Um, I cannot tell you with a straight face that these legends are the guys that are on the roster right now. In 20 years, nobody's going to want to see them because they have no name value. Um, they are worthless. So I think it's time for, for, you know, Mr. McMahon to go. It's never going to happen. I mean, only thing that he has to do is not be around anymore. He, once he's not living anymore, that's when um, wrestling will get better as a whole. And I'm sorry it has to be said, but that's true. Man, Pablo eviscerating the boss man and WWE as a whole. That's one way to go out in this episode. He makes it through the rant without his iPad dying. Very impressive. Got it in. So I'll make sure I get through the end of this show before his iPad dies. That's all we got for episode 45 of the Before the Score podcast. Welcome to 2021. We're happy to do episodes for you the rest of the year. Hope everybody had a happy new year. Enjoy the games this weekend. And we'll make sure our, you know, my Bears pick, that's going to hit. For the score, episode 45. Thanks for listening.